This is a horse. And this is a waterfall. This is a horse chasing a waterfall. There's my boy. Sorry for the delay. Man, as children get as children uh, adjust grow. your adjust your laptop screen, man. All I'm looking at is like a a light on your ceiling. Makes you look kind of like Gad, though. <laughs> You're gonna say something extraordinary and extraordinarily interesting about parenthood. So please, by all means, go on. Raising children is stressful. Yeah, yeah. What is there as a particular? They, as they get older, they uh, um, they they want to do more things and and have more ability to to do them. <laughs> yes, that's correct. <laughs> and uh, was there is there a, a triggering incident uh, that causes you to to make this utterance this morning? Oh, just now trying to get Oscar into uh, his room where we've set up a lot of activities and play for him to to uh, be uh, entertained by and enriched by over the next hour. It sounds great. Much in the way that we'll be entertaining and enriching the lives of our listeners for the next yeah. hour. Yeah, yeah. But without as much planning. You, you, you know, the, our listeners are going to sit quietly and listen to what we have to say, but can you say the same for Oscar? Is he going to... Oscar's not going to sit intently and listen. He's not even going to be like a passive listener. <laughs> you know... He's not going to do the chores while I talk to him. That's too bad. Drive um, between between two cities, an hour or so distant. Do you think these are the things people are doing when they listen to us talk? The driving between cities that are about an hour apart or half hour apart, and they listen to it, half of it one way and then the other half the rest of the way. And all day in between, they're in just wrapped in suspense about how how our radio drama is going to conclude. <laughs> because that's what it's always been with you and me is drama. Radio drama. We always we've always had drama off off the air, but now that we have a podcast together, yeah. we can we can bring the fight to uh to the internet. We brought it to the air, complete with sound effects like this one. This is a horse. And this is a waterfall. This is a horse chasing a waterfall. I try to leave it in people's imagination <laughs> as much as possible. Are you, do you expect me to add things in post? Is that what that no. was all about? I was doing the sound effects. Oh, okay. To me, the, the sound effects, you mention a thing and the listener imagines it. It, so, it sounded to me more like a like like a, the, the you of 30 years from now shakily holding on to your um, bottle of uh, arthritis medicine. Of what? Arthritis pills. Yeah. This... Does this sound like a horse to you, nurse? <laughs> oh, yes, it does, Mr. Skoog. <laughs> Although they don't call you Mr. in nursing homes. They call you by your first name as though you're an infant. Rian, Rian used to work at a worked at a nursing home when we were... Um, we we're in graduate school to make a few extra bucks, <laughs> and whether that that or my coffee shop job was more stressful was a point of contention between us. Um, but she, but uh, she used to call she used to call the old the old uh, folks, um, Mister and Mister and Mrs. But she was the only one, 
Everyone would just call them by their. I think when I think when you um, wipe somebody's ass and put a diaper on them, they are a child to you, um, whether you whether they're old or young, which is a shame, perhaps. But why am I talking about this to you on a Sunday morning? I get it differently when I when I have to uh, uh, attend to the diapering and wiping of my child. That's when I call him Mister Scoop. <laughs> Do you really? Yeah. Do you have any? Um, do you have? Oh any... dear, Mister Scoot. <laughs> my oh my! Someone's been eating blueberries. <laughs> uh, do you have any uh, songs? Do you have any songs specifically, um, specifically for diaper changing? No, that's not what music is for, John. <laughs> it's an intimate time, though. You because you're looking straight in straight in your kid's eyes for, you know, a good couple of minutes there. And you you get there's some real communication. I, I try to focus on the task at hand. <laughs> I don't gaze gaze lovingly into anyone's eyes when you're, I'm engaged in such activities. You're um I gotta say looking you're, inward. You're kind of cantankerous on this on this issue on this topic. I uh, I, I don't mind the diapering because I I just go into a mechanical mode for it. That's why I've never. Minded doing it, yeah, and I don't think much about it. I just good become a, uh, uh, a feces robot. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I remember it well. I never enjoyed it exactly, but um, but it was it was less irritating than I thought it would be. Right off the it's bat, no big, pretty much. It's no big deal. No big because deal. it doesn't it it doesn't smell bad at first. And then it gradually comes to reek, and by by that time you're used to it. So, yeah. So I don't know. Wouldn't say used to it, <clears throat> but I mean it's it gets funky. The funk is mostly later when after they've uh, after a few diapers have have had time to develop at room temperature in the uh, in the trash can. D- develop. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Developing at room temperature. Right. Of course, since we we didn't opt for cloth diapers or anything responsible, the main the overwhelming smell of diapering is, is of chlorine. Yeah, because there's a lot of chlorine in in diapers. Yeah, we did the we did the um, we did the cloth for a while, and it was a pain in the ass. It was a real pain yeah. in the ass. We actually tried to travel with cloth diapers. Uh, once or twice, but it was so it was such a catastrophe that that's we, adorable. Yeah, isn't it? That's adorable. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We we quickly switched to to your basic pamper for for trips. Yeah. Don't recommend yeah. the traveling with cloth diapers. So, um, Lisa Rupp Bailey says that she's uh, planning to make ratatouille. You want to know what the two reasons are? She gives two reasons. Uh, because she has because it's eggplant season. Close. Well, she says I have all the stuff, so yeah. that's one of them. The other one is because it sounds funny. It does sound funny. Rian made it a couple of weeks ago, and it was great. It's good stuff. Potentially, I've never made it. Not sure I've ever even. I'm not sure I've had it. Really? I don't believe I've I've had it. No. It's an eggplant based stew, as I'm sure yeah. you know. Haven't had it. Is what? Why not? Eggplant? Is eggplant the reason? I'm not against eggplant. Um, I rather like eggplant. 
uh, it, it's, it's a challenging. Eggplant's a challenging kitchen object. I, conf- I concur with that. Yeah. Um, it, it's, there's nothing like an eggplant, really. Um, I guess it's related to the tomato, I think. It's a nightshade family, I think. I'd never thought of that. It is, it's related to the tomato? I think it's related to the tomato. It's not very tomato-like. No. But, it's, uh, but the, the rind, the shell, the husk, outer yeah. part, yeah. surface, is kind of tomato-y. Like a, a sturdier tomato, but it has that, uh, that layer which is uh, like vinyl almost. <laughs> yeah. Like it's an upholstered vegetable. <laughs> yeah, totally. It's one of the more upholstered vegetables. Um, for, for me, it's not a thing I would voluntarily buy at the store. It's almost always a vegetable that some, somehow appears in my house and then it must be dealt with. And so, yeah. I, and I think Rian made, I think even she would agree now that it was a mistake, but she joined a CSA a couple of months ago. And um, what a CSA is, of course, is you mm-hmm. get a giant box of, you know, like, uh, Swiss chard and um, and squashes, and then that's what you have to eat. And then you get the you know sentences get uttered in the household several times a day. Like we really got to cook this eggplant. Yeah. You know we got to do something with this kohlrabi. Yeah. Um, I love the idea of a CSA, but I the the thing that uh, makes me run in fear from it is that. Um. I, I want to eat the things I want to eat. And I, well, we live in a society where it's actually possible for me to choose to eat something and then go get the ingredients for it and make it. Um, and the CSA is imposing vegetable choices on me. And those choices are usually dictated by what is easiest to grow in Ithaca, it's, New York. It's, it's, it's imposing uh, the season, seasonal uh, nutrition and uh, the food chain on you. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. And fuck Very that. Yeah. It really is. It really is. Oh well, if you're so into the food chain, why not? Uh, are what 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 what, what, what if you had to uh, face some tigers on the way to work? Why not just lay down before a bear? Yeah. Why not lay down before a bear? If you're so into the food chain. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. CSA. It's a uh, Confederate States of America is what it stands for. I think. <laughs> It's the it's the uh, the CSAs are the the last bureaucratic vestige of the of of the Civil War <laughs> after their after their defeat at the, at the hands of uh, um, the, the Union soldiers. Yeah, uh, they uh, um, turned turned to gardening. <laughs> they're the they're the uh, the precursor of, of hippie culture. Hippies. Hippies and Southerners, uh, and antebellum Southerners, a lot, mm-hmm. lot in common. Yeah. Let me enunciate, enumerate. Let me enumerate the similarities. Um, <laughs> Let me enunciate the enumerations. Well, hippies like to to wear lots of big frilly dresses, <laughs> and and uh, they take naps in the afternoon before the ball. Fiercely proud, um, tragic, their sense of nobility, um, uh, you know, weighed against their uh, uh, sort of uh, sexual bondage of slavery. 
Um, <laughs> that's hippies in a nutshell for you. Uh, well, beards. Then, yeah. 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 Beards. Beards. Sure. Free love. Mm-hmm. Confederates. Um, landholders. Landholding culture. Mm-hmm. Outdoor togetherness. Hey, speaking of outdoor togetherness, yeah. you, how was Winfield? Winfield was lovely. Thank you for asking. That's why uh, to the to listeners who listen, we did not have an episode last week because Ed was traveling. He was at Winfield. I went to the the Walnut Valley Festival. I think is the official name of it uh, in Winfield, Kansas, which is uh, usually just called the Winfield Bluegrass Festival. Although the actual lineup of acts um, contains very little actual bluegrass and most of the bluegrass that it has is terrible oh uh, the actual uh, stage shows at the festival are atrocious and it's the same atrocious acts that they've been booking for 20 or 30 years <laughs> they're awful there's a guy who plays uh spoons or bones <laughs> who go, whose name is barry bones Patton. I noticed that in the program, as he's becoming more senior, you know, he's becoming older, uh, he's he's removed bones from his name, and so it's just the music of Barry Patton. Really? When you read the description, it's still very bones-focused. Wait, 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 why? I mean, if you've got a nickname like Bones, why, and you're an old man, why would you get rid of that? I mean, sharpen it to Bonesy. <laughs> Bonesy Patton. Why not? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Um, there was uh, a band that was that purported to have um, uh, Cherokees in it that didn't. Uh, sort of trading on on Indian phony Indian stuff. Oh dear. Uh, there's some cowboy acts. I think are mostly populated with dentists. Uh, it's a lot of cowboy. So we, what, one, what one does? I mean, I, I've been going to this festival since 1991, and the people that I camp with. Um, we don't even have the schedule of events anywhere in our campground because we're not going to go. <laughs> so it's what, the a, it's the AWP of bluegrass. Yeah, absolutely. the uh, the The main event is ter- terrible. Mm-hmm. You might go to get uh, a turkey leg or a funnel cake, uh-huh. um, or to get some picks. From the like, there's like some music stores that have set up things, and a lot of the your 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 major luthiers around the country have booths there. Oh, I'd enjoy what that. It, what, I it's think. A, it's it's mar- it's 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 nice, but uh, after you see it every summer, you you sort of know what the, that you can't afford a new Collings guitar. Or, yeah. The uh, the the. the the proudest of, and what's what's what what it's, it's known for, is having what they call the national championships in uh, flat picking guitar, mm-hmm. um, and in other playing finger pick guitar, banjo. Um, God help us all, dulcimer. Um, how does one how does one win a competition of guitar flat picking? You how is such you a thing play better than the others? Better. You denigrate the competition, <laughs> play mind games, lose your soul. Um, they have uh, they have a sign up, and they have fifty or so contestants, and they play over the course of a morning. The judges are uh, uh, most of them are former winners or guitar makers or 
um, uh, music people, and they sit behind the stage. They can't see the contestants, so they only hear. And then they winnow that down, I think, to 10. And then those 10 play again. And then they pick uh, three winners. And each winner gets a, um, a little bit of money, but they also get to choose from um, these, these very nice guitars or you know, new instruments. It's mm -hmm. sort of the prize. They get a nice, a nice big uh, trophy, bragging rights, a couple grand, and then a guitar that might be worth 10 or 20 grand. Wow. You know. Wow. Um, Who's manufacturing these guitars? That's an extraordinary amount of money. Well, I think Collins, 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 um, Collins, 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 um, uh, Deering for banjo. Well, yeah, they, they may not be worth twenty. They might, they, they might be a list. You know, they 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 uh, they award you with their fanciest guitar. Right, right. But the musicians get to pick. So actually, several luthiers offer their guitars or their instruments. And the musician gets to pick which one, and so then that that becomes a kind of competition among the a bragging right among the uh, the guitar makers as to whether you know the winner chooses their guitar. Right. See, but uh, you know what if what if you're like uh, Indiana Jones in uh, which one in nineteen ninety seven? The one where um, what? He was the champion in ninety seven. Indiana Jones. <laughs> what if you're like Indiana like Jones Salt and you're having to choose which? In the pile of chalices is the one that uh, the one that was passed around at the Last Supper. You choose and the simplest one. You choose the simplest one. What if you? Yeah. What if what you choose is the? Uh, what if? What if your taste is for the guitar that that uh, Jesus, a carpenter, would have made? Who would have played a K or a Honer? Wait, was his was his father a carpenter? I can't remember. But he, he was a carpenter. What, did, Jesus was the sex carpenter. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, he's a carpenter. He's a humble, humble figure. Humble, a humble taste. sex carpenter. I mean, he liked his luxuries. <laughs> well, among them were caviar, the tallest cross to dangle the death on. He wanted a large, large cross. Uh, he liked caviar, and uh, he had an expensive taste in workout machines. <laughs> Never used them. Like you the know. cross, for instance. The cross was originally a. Uh, it was an elliptical cross. Um, he'd been training for it. Um, so the 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 among the past winners of the flat picking. Competition are uh, Steve Kaufman, who is uh, uh, some some very boring people who who are amazing guitar technicians. Mm -hmm. You would want to listen to them necessarily, right. but they can do you know impossible things on their guitars. Um, you have uh, Mark O'Connor, the great uh, violinist, mm -hmm. and fiddle player. Oh, sure, I know. I actually of, know of great renown. Sure, great American. Musicians. He he won the competition as a guitarist as a as a teenager. Uh, Chris Teeley, I he, he won he won the mandolin championship um, in when he was like twelve, and, and I was in college. Who then went on to form uh, Nickel Creek, and then um, was a very popular bluegrassish band, and then uh, amazing 
I love um, love how you slipped that ish in there. Ish. And an amazing um, outfit. I can't remember the name of it, but with a sort of uh, musically experimental group. And then he's recently reformed Nickel Creek. Uh, but a great, a great musician. Right. Chris Teeley. Um, I remember him winning it when he was 12, this competition. Um, so as soon as we'll go up and watch some of the competition, but mostly make fun of it. And the guy, the guy who won the, the flat picking championship, I went and I was excited to hear him play. And uh, this is a problem at Winfield. Um, he took the opportunity to provide his his religious testimony. Oh, good. And a song that he'd written about his dedication to uh, to to Jesus. Um, and uh, it was very. You could sort of, if you thought about it, you could, you could see that there's something dark inside this guy because the song that he'd written to provide his his testimony and his his tribute and to show his his praise. Um, was mostly about um, you know how 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 his faith helped him put away the um, the uneasy dreams and um, helped him clear his conscience. So I'm not sure what this guy did <laughs> to pick this particular strain of worship that yeah. that helped stop the screams. Um, <laughs> Uh, the age didn't quite match up that he would have been a veteran, which would, would make some sense. I think he might have just done some bad stuff. Yeah. But the, uh, the one of the things about Winfield is, is you, you have together the, some of the squarest people in Kansas. You have you know, uh-huh. like real, you know, real church-going RV um, you know, people, uh, you know, very religious, very, you know, Organized, very conservative, certainly, um, uh, maybe prosperous, but you know, real, real squared away, uptight people. Yeah, um, camping out for five days to two weeks with the weirdest people in Kansas. I mean, you know, the freaks from the college town, the um, pot growers, the um, you know, the pill pill popping. Uh, punk rock guitarists who mm-hmm. play a little bit of acoustic on the side. Yeah, uh, you know, you get the strangest and the and the and the normalest people with not, without a lot of in between. You get about fifteen thousand of them. Where do you um, are you an in between? Do you consider yourself to be in between those groups? No, I think as far as in Kansas, I think my group. Well, we're not we're not the strangest, but we're we're all we're weirdos. I think in in a Kansas context. All right. Um, you know, free thinkers. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I don't know what 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 defines that. Um, you well, know, you uh, you had been going to try liberals, to finish liberal thinking. Yeah, Obama voters who've mostly fled Kansas for the coast and come back for sentimental reasons. Okay, fair enough. So you had been going to to uh, we drink a lot of beer. We drink a, a whole lot. A whole I'm lot working. I'm working super hard on this sentence, man. My God, you, you gotta let me finish it. So much beer. <laughs> you were gonna write some songs and and work on them with your friends at Winfield. And I wanted to know how that how that worked out. I have I have yet to finish the songs. Still working on them. Didn't really uh-huh. play them or work with them or even talk or think much about <laughs> it. But I did play 
you know, banjo and guitar for three days straight and sang every new song that I know and all of the old songs that we've been playing for 20 years um, and the songs that other friends had written and learned. And, uh, um, and I think that that was important in, in the moving towards the completion of these, these songs. But no, it was not the, the idea I had where I'd, I'd go and woodshed them. Also, I remember that when we actually get together, um, we're, we don't... We want to we want to play full songs. We don't want to we don't really workshop things like that together. Yeah. That's not how we play. That's not how we play. We bring finished things and play them. And if it's not finished, then you're holding up the party. Right. So. But a lot of, a lot of good songs. A lot of, end up doing a lot of Roger Miller and Tom T. Hall. Nothing things. wrong with that. And in one song. Um, I haven't, I haven't had time to look it up, but someone had had, uh, had worked out a good arrangement of it. It's a, a, a 70s country song called Rainbow Stew. <laughs> I don't know it. You know this song? The, no. the chorus is, uh, um, is uh, we'll all be drinking that free bubble up and eating that rainbow stew. Oh, man. I remember it vaguely. Merle, it's, it's Merle country. Haggard. Merle Haggard is it did Merle a Haggard? version of it anyway, yeah. He might have written it. Uh, I'll I'll link to that in the in the notes. Um, but uh, do you see the chorus there? I'm yeah. gonna um, I'm I'm Welcome. looking for the I'm gonna bring up the lyrics here. Um, There's a big brown cloud in the city, and the countryside's a sin, and the price of life is high to give up. Got to come down again when the worldwide war is over and done, and the dream of peace comes true. We'll all be drinking that free bubble up and eating that rainbow stew. When they find out yep. how to burn water. And the gasoline car is gone. When an airplane flies without any fuel and sunlight heats our home, one of these days when the air clears up and the sun comes shining through, we'll all be drinking that three bubble up and eating that rainbow stew. And the chorus is, eating rainbow stew with a silver spoon underneath that sky blue, we'll all be drinking that free bubble up and eating that rainbow stew. There There seems to be, this is like a big subtweet. There's some kind of, there's some kind of political message here that's not being fully voiced by the. It by could the have speaker. been a, it could have been a cranky letter to the editor. Instead, it became a song <laughs> yeah. with an inspired line about free bubble up. Yeah, yeah. What does that what, what does that mean? Free bubble up. That three three bubble, bubble up is up? a drink. Bubble. It's a it's a soda, pop, right. much like squirt. It's not kind of a, a grape a grapefruit tinged soda. Yeah. That doesn't say grapefruit because nobody wants to drink grapefruit. But that's, I think, the flavor. Lemon lime with a little grapefruit. Lemon lime. Yeah, that's... Uh, that and My Uncle Used to Love Me But She Died, which I think we already talked about. Yep. Did we talk yeah. about that song? Yeah, we did. <laughs> yeah. My Uncle Used to Love Me But She Died. Other other hits. A lot of Butch Hancock tunes. Yeah, don't know. No, no Butch Hancock. Texas singer-songwriter. Uh, the songs like uh, well, he wrote um, "If You Were a Bluebird," I think some some popularity to it. Uh, wrote a lot of songs with, with uh, Towns Van Zant and Jimmy Dale Gilmore. Great um, song. It's a uh, little man named Leo headed for Laredo. He left Saltillo on the Day of the Dead, uh, rolling down the hillside, rolling down the roadside, and by his side sat a lady in red. They left two pigs named Slander and Libel. <laughs> she left 
She left a pet burro and a snow white dove. He faced the music with a bullet in the Bible and the testimony of a man in love. He hated church bells and high-rise hotels, the portfolios of the businessman. He had a mouthful of bad teeth, and his smile was crazy. Childhood polio had settled in his hand. Oh, that po- that polio is a nice little echo yeah. of the uh, first Leo first polio verse. portfolio. Yeah, yeah. Uh, very good. Saltillo. Yeah. I there's a uh, I like a patient rhyme scheme. There's I can't remember what which Robin Hitchcock song it is, but he um, instead of rhyming the lines in the chorus, he has uh, the chorus is essentially x x x a, and then <laughs> the the next chorus echoes the a it does the rhyme that was in the rhyme is not in within a single chorus you have to listen to to the next chorus to hear the rhyme i think that's a good thing mm-hmm. but it's, also, so it strikes you it strikes you and you don't know why right um, grabs your attention but you're not sure why perhaps yeah 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 so winfield was winfield was a lot of fun uh got to see all my friends got to camp out got to cook a lot on an outdoor um Portable grill, cook, you know, cooking for twenty or twenty-five people. Great. Uh, saw a lot of a lot of old friends. Saw some some new friends. A great, uh, a really good songwriter from Southern Illinois hung out with us. His name was Bill Poss, P O S S, who used to play with Fred Eaglesmith, or tour with Fred Eaglesmith, who's also very good. Um, and he had a song called uh, Jack Rabbit, which is so freaking catchy. I can't get it out of my out of my head. Here he is. He's, there's a picture of him. Here he's, he's wearing a necktie and holding a child. There you go. Yeah. yeah. He's, and he says, welcome to my new website. And website has a hyphen in between web yeah. and site as though it's 1885. I, I like him already. Yeah. Bill Poss. A lot of yeah. good songs. Good singer. Um, we have our campsite. The reason you go isn't, isn't for the championship or the festival of the turkey legs. It's You've got 15,000 people camping out. Uh, most of them play a little bit, and some of them play real well. And uh, you sort of just go around and walk around with your instrument or just sit around your own campsite and uh, play and interact. Other people playing show up. Yeah. Uh, some great virtuosic playing of the old styles, and then a lot of just uh, um, we're a little looser with that. A lot of us can play bluegrass pretty solidly and will um but also if somebody heard heard a uh, a good song recently we might work up a version of it and we try to crack each other the, up with musical jokes here's the essential problem with uh awp uh is that, humorless and soul crushing no 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 i acknowledged but that's not what i mean um no one's writing at it you know because writing is not typically a collaborative act uh no one's writing so what we do instead is we argue about writing we talk about writing we hold panels that are ostensibly yeah. about writing or the business of writing and then we don't do any writing no but you but most you of those guys people are... don't do much much writing uh afterwards either way Ed, are, do you do you actually want to enjoy your time in Minneapolis next year, or do you want to be beaten up by by haters? 
because you're you're uh, saying some pretty uh, some pretty nasty things. I'd like to be beaten up by the haters if I can select my own <laughs> cross and get some of that caviar. Yeah, yeah. That sounded well, like a. I would listen like to my Chris. own cross and get some of that caviar. No, I think I think uh, um, I I, uh, I like I like going to AWP to see my friends. Um, yeah. I hate I hate panels. Um, the readings are often very bad. Not, not stuff I would cross the street to see. Yeah. Um, I might go into the conference to get a, a turkey leg or <laughs> see some oddity. You know, like a two-headed novelist or a, yeah. Um, uh, uh, a bearded poet or a, a you know, freakishly strong nonfiction writer. <laughs> oh. uh, like the, the world's oldest memoirist. <laughs> you know, I'll go see the, the freak show of it. That would but I like hanging great. out in the lobby with my friends and going to offsite readings of uh, uh, people who are actually doing some interesting writing. Do you know if the Millennium has a decent bar in it? Because that's where we're at, if I'm not mistaken. Um, none of those hotels never have. It's always so expensive. So I'll do what I usually do, which is uh, buy a bunch of little airplane yeah. bottles. Yeah, yeah. I remember it well. Yeah. <laughs> it really take. There's like a lot, a lot of a lot of uh, ADVP or, or any festival is the impatient standing around trying to decide where to go. Which yeah. is often, oh, let's go and, and have a drink at that place. But if you've got a bunch of airplane bottles, like some secretive alcoholic, um, who certainly, who suddenly learned the power of love and wants to share, then <laughs> wherever you've got a party sitting right there around those chairs. And the, the clinking, it's yeah. wonderful. Someone the clinking has a, is very high-pitched. It's not like uh, having a bunch of tumblers. It's, um, it's, about, yeah. having a, it's, about, it's about having a little uh, tiny bottles. It's like uh, the furthest stage left part of the bell choir. <laughs> Tiny bottles in your bag. Uh, I'm looking forward to AWP. Uh, Winfield in summary, fantastic. Uh, Kansas was weird, aside from that. The festival was great. I went to my uh, dad's, visited my dad on the way in and the way out. Up in oh, the yeah. And... Uh, uh, Upon leaving, uh, my brother was visiting from Chicago, and he developed a kidney stone and was in wrenching pain. Oh, my God. Kidney stone, my last day there, which is, uh, uh, I would rather watch it than have it, but watching it's difficult. It's a lot of pain just to, to watch yeah. somebody going through. Was this issue uh, resolved quickly, I hope? Took a couple days. What Went to the hospital. Just, Went to the emergency just, room. It was just the pain was so intense that he just had to go in for pain relief. So, but they just wait it out. They're, you don't dope go you in up there and, and it pass it. Yeah, they they have some procedures they can do. Uh, <sighs> my brother opted to just pass it, and so just kind of doped him up a little bit, writhed around. Yep, sorry to hear it. I had to return his rental car for him. So suddenly I was in this weird, uh, and there's the, the airport in Topeka has no flights. They have no? a few places where you can return cars. And I think some corporate flights come in um, or secret flights. I don't know why people would fly in. <laughs> um, so 
so they have the the general armature of a of a airport in Topeka. Yeah. And so I had to return my brother's car since he wasn't going to be able to drive back uh, the next day. Uh, but my brother also was was too doped up and in pain to give us. He had he had talked to the. Uh, the rental car company, but he hadn't been able to really get the instructions on where to go. So we go out there, and there's no um, there's no place to drop off the car. And so my dad is is following me. My dad's 85, um, and uh, can be kind of impatient and and uh, likes to know where a bathroom is. Sure. And, uh, so we're driving around and around this old army base where the airport is with uh, very little signage for two hours trying to find oh, the right. Oh no! Place. And uh, we, you know, my, my cell phone doesn't. I have my my cell phone doesn't have the web on it. Uh, Dad's is a flip phone that mainly is just there in case he falls. So we didn't have any mobile ways of, of finding it, um, which we've come one has come to depend on. Somebody somebody around has some sort of mobile device that sure. has all the answers. Um, and eventually eventually found that that I had to take it to like uh, the Millionaire Club, which. <laughs> welcomes you when you fly in your um, your private plane into Topeka. Yeah, they also handled the Hertz. Right. There's nobody in the airport. In fact, like, there's this one little secret room where there was a person. Wow, uh, who does not want to be like, found? No, not by the likes of us. <laughs> God. Um. I, uh, I I'm sorry to hear that. I quit the Twitter and the Facebook again. Oh yeah, it's been uh, two or three weeks. No one uh, seems to care. No one, no yeah. one minds. Well, when you're not on Facebook, you don't realize that no one cares that you're not on Facebook. And the last um, few times I've quit, people would give me would would notice and and at least joke about it when I saw them. I think that's a, it's a sign of where Facebook, where social media is. I think social media, despite our uh, re- reported reliance on it and an interest in it and economic intertwining with it is uh, on its way out. Perhaps. I mean, I, I, I wouldn't sound the death knell of the whole category. Um, I still like Twitter very much. Um, but, uh, there, you know, there's a, new, there's a new social media site. You wouldn't know this because you're not on social media, but there's a new one called Ello, E-L-L-O, right. and which is supposed to be a sort of Facebook replacement, but it's structured more like Twitter, um, and uh, it's it purports to have no advertising. It, it became popular suddenly because uh, Facebook has decided to outlaw anonymity, and so mm. people who... Uh, make their living under a pen name or for various reasons prefer to remain anonymous. Um, right. Among them, among the LGBT community, uh, right. drag queens were particularly upset about this. And so... And that is uh, not a demographic that you want to upset. No, 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 you do not. <laughs> do not so, take slights quietly. So a lot of people bothered by this policy have gone over to Ello. So um, everyone was talking about it on my Twitter feed the other day, and I was asking about it, and someone offered to give me an invite. Um, and I happened to be waiting. Uh, Toby had an appointment downtown, and I was just in in a room bored with yeah. my phone, and um, I I had brought something to read, 
uh, I brought an issue of the Fantagraphics, um, the 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 comics publishing house, the Fantagraphics magazine, Moam. Out of Seattle. Out of Seattle. Yeah. And uh, but the particular issue of Moam I had with me was extraordinarily sexually explicit. So there Fantastic. were pictures of people fucking like throughout, yeah. and also very violent. In uh, not and and I just didn't. I was in this room that turned out to be surrounded by tr- troubled teenagers. You weren't, <laughs> and were, you, weren't, you weren't yourself upset by this. No, no, not work. at all. Um, I should add, Toby is not particularly troubled, but he did it at an appointment here, and I had to wait in this room. And uh, I realized that I couldn't sit there with a with a big old full color comic book full of cocks. So yeah. I I didn't want to take out my reading material. So I. It was all kind of like a, like R. Crummy, uh, yeah. S. Clay Wilson type. Yeah, wild. or you know, this, it's more contemporary stuff. But um, right. but yeah, in that in that vein, that vein. I'd say you know. Um, so uh, I I was just futzing with my phone, and I had a half an hour to kill. So I so someone sent me an invitation to Ello, so I got on Ello and uh, started an account and um, found a couple people I knew and friended them. And then I was just hit with a with a wave of panic, and I I don't think I've ever had a panic attack. I've known many friends who've who've had panic attacks and have described yeah. the symptoms, and I was not there. I was not at that place. But it was the most. It's crazy because I've undergone a fair amount of stressful events over the past few years. Ones that required sort of crazy logistics or swift action or something, uh, and they didn't make me panic. But joining a new social network made me panic. And I couldn't find the delete my account forever thing. So I had to wait until I got home and was on a laptop and the screen was larger and the and I had my keyboard and I could find, you know, I could find things out more swiftly. I'm using the word swift a lot, aren't I? You're swift boating. I am. I'm swift swift wording. Uh and then I I managed to to delete the account, but um, it doesn't seem doesn't seem unhealthy that that the engaging with social media would create such a reaction. Well, you know, um, I don't feel that way about Twitter. I mean, there are things that I read uh, that information I'm I am made aware of due to Twitter yeah. that make yeah. me angry. But that's the substance of the of the thing rather than the medium itself. Something about the medium itself. Another universe in which to have to connect with, like and... joining a church. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Facebook is becoming church. Facebook and social media has become has become church. Yeah, and I, I, I just, um, I, you know, I just increasingly, I had, you know, I had to get back on Facebook. I mean, I'm not my personal thing is gone, but right. I got on, I got on Facebook to uh, put up some shows for our band. Um, yeah. And of course, now you have to beg your friends to share the the gig invite because Facebook is not going to show it to anybody unless you pay them. So you have to manually goose the yeah. you know goose the thing unless you want to pony up. And um, yeah, God, it just stressed me you out so pony, much. You have to pony the goose. Yeah, you got to pony the goose. You have to goose the goose the pony. <laughs> um. So yeah, I I. I mean, Elo Elo looked looked like a nice effort, um, but I yeah. just couldn't I just couldn't do it. Um, yeah, I think the alternative is not different 
um, uh, aspects or different attributes. I think it's it's. Uh, uh, I think we've, uh, for my case, speaking just for myself, I think I've I've learned what I needed to from Facebook and, t- and Twitter and uh, enjoyed them. Uh, but then it just seemed too much like a like a, like a, like a job. It was just too much in my in my head, and yeah. and for no no benefit, Z- no no benefit, zero benefit. Yep. Yeah. Some slight pleasures. Glad to see what people are up to. Um, but even without it, I um, I know that I know that the people that I, I I like and love who I'm not around uh, frequently are alive and to some degree doing well or not. And uh, I don't need to know every detail. Yeah, I don't need all that information. I don't need. No, and it's no. it's, it's affected. It's it's changed so much of the way that we. It's like uh, going around and uh, being without it. It's like being it's like being sober around a bunch of drunks, where you see, uh, we hear the conversation differently. When when you're sober around a bunch of drunks, especially if you've been if you've been a drinker, uh, you see oh these. This is different than normal people. This is these people are under the the influence, and they're they're making plans, and they're talking really loud, and it's not as interesting as as they think. And, yeah. And when you go off of this stuff, you realize, oh, that's there's a lot of loud talking. There's, there's a lot of knee jerk reaction, instant stuff. <laughs> When I explain to people why I why I quit, it's uh, what I say is that Facebook is where good people go to be their worst selves, and they don't realize that that's what they're doing. This isn't the case with everybody, of course. Some some people are hilarious and are all sweetness and light on there, but I just like this the 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 grand wash of because there's no real there's you can you can be um you can do your loud talking, and then you can just turn off your computer after it so there's no consequence to yeah you know and so the the you know what you're left with when you're on it is this wave of of other people's manic intensity yeah and i i got plenty of that right i here. got enough of that but really it, it is a kind of drunkenness yeah. i mean either um uh the uh a kind of uh, ebullience and, and energy and joie de vie look at what i'm doing this is great yeah. Or or a sort of uh, you know, a barstool blues maudlin. Um, uh, this thing here's something that's 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 making me sad and it's very sad. Well, here's um, here's here's how I, I again I'm going to defend for instance Twitter, which is I like, all... I, like I, was surprised, I was surprised that I quit Twitter. Yeah, I am. That too, surprised actually. me. Um, but I but I, I it's I all like talking. It's all time. talking. It also, it's all talking, but it doesn't demand your attention. You can just pop in and glance at things and then leave. There's no there's no sense of obligation. And I've been enjoying so our mysterious uh, magazine project that the name of which we're not yet prepared to reveal. But it's a uh, it's a humdinger of a name. It's, it's a sock dollager of a name. Uh, I, I beg your pardon. A sock it's a sock dollager of a name. Yeah, it's a twenties term for a real humdinger. <laughs> okay, okay, all right. So. Um, uh, we have been asked by the parent organization that is funding it to put it on Tumblr, and I have never been on Tumblr. I've I follow a couple of I like, Tumblr. I like Tumblr. Tumblr. Yeah, I followed a couple of Tumblr blogs, but I've just followed them via an RSS reader, so I've never actually investigated the 
but I like uh-huh. it as well. I decided to move my own blog over to it to get used yeah. to the medium. And yeah. I'm actually going to New York in a couple of weeks to chat with somebody from Tumblr about about putting the magazine on there. Uh, but I like it because unlike uh, Facebook and Twitter, it's all about content. You're not going to get into you're never going to get into an argument with anybody on Tumblr. It's no. just here is some stuff I made, and also yeah. here's some stuff other people made that you might yeah. find interesting. That's it. Yep. That's it. So you That's can fine. read it. You open it up and you read it. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. It's it's easy. Yeah. I, I like Tumblr. I'm looking and I'm looking forward to our um, using Tumblr. Yeah. For our mysterious purpose, which will be revealed in January 2015. Yeah. Yeah. Or December. Well, I th- I think we're gonna we're gonna tell people about it in December. Is that what we're doing? And then we're gonna start doing it. In it's gonna be a January. little Christmas gift for yeah, everybody. That's right. That's right. <laughs> A Christmas gift of, of promising to start a literary magazine last month. That's what I'm getting you for Christmas. Yeah. Next Nothing month. else. Uh, I should say uh, Darlene Kroger has weighed in on um, the social medium. We've, we're just slagging off uh, to say that she's having some cinnamon toast, and she suggests that we read Dr. Mutter's Marvels, a true tale of intrigue and innovation at the dawn of modern medicine. And I think this is the same Mutter uh, who— Mutter Museum? Mutter Museum. It's got to be. M-U-T-T-E-R? M-U-T-T-E-R, yeah. Uh, Thomas Dent. Uh, that, was, that was like the 80s or 90s, right? The 1880s, 1890s? Is that when the Mutter Museum was? Uh, I don't know. Is that is What older. did they call a real humdinger then? Eine Intergeschlüsse. Okay, thank you. Thanks for the info. Yeah, love the Motor Museum. Did you go when you when you were a resident of you know Philadelphia? What's appalling. I didn't, and then I left, and then I learned of it, and I still haven't been. It's, it's you have yet to go to the Mutter Museum. Yeah, I have yet. It's the mother of all museums. <laughs> really, <laughs> the Motor Museum and the uh, uh, Museum of Jurassic Technology on the other coast. Yes, are the. the Two of the best things about America. Now, to that I've been. I love the Museum of Jurassic Technology. Yes. Yeah. We've talked about it before, I'm sure. Yeah, we have. But I will. That's not going to stop me from um, linking to them in our show notes, which yeah. so far have been pretty. Um, I went. I went this last summer, and they have a new. Uh, uh, the, to, to what they, Jurassic they Technology? New, uh, they have some new exhibits, which is great. But they added a a, a rooftop columbarium. Um, Tell me what that is. It's a uh, well, I think it's a place where you put ashes, columbarium. Yeah, maybe where you combine the ashes of the dead. But it's a it's just a little rooftop um, uh, kind of patio with a, a fountain, and then there's a little room off to the side um, that has uh, some birds in it. There's there's birds. Um, Good. Little finches flying around, um, uh, and it's 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 designed. The dimensions are very specific and and cloistery, but also open and uh, as mysterious uh, as everything else in the, in the museum. Uh-huh. But a place you can take your tea and cookies out. You, 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 know, you can get tea and cookies. They have a oh, samovar up on the third, uh, the second floor. Oh, very now good. You can, 
you can take take your uh, your tea and little cookies out. Uh, Just want to add there. from Facebook that uh, T R Johnson is enjoying his Joan Didion with pesto. Nice, nice. That's well, a good combination. Yeah, don't you think? He's a, he's a great American. So three of the best things about America are the Mütter Museum, the Museum of Jurassic Technology, and, and Professor T.R. Johnson of Tulane <laughs> University, the director of the composition department. <laughs> oh, wonderful. I bet he now knows uh, my friend Elizabeth Rogers, who's teaching at Tulane this semester. Is she teaching at Tulane? Yep. I don't think I knew that. She's teaching it's the... A, um, it's a new development. She's a, a poet. She is. She is. She's. Is she teaching the poetry there, or does she have another specialty? Uh, if she's teaching creative writing, it's poetry. But I think she might be. Is she a PhD type? No, no, no. She's uh, she's an MFA. Uh -huh. Trying to trying to write a second book. She's written a lot of those who follow the career of Elizabeth Lindsay Rogers will have read a few of her Mars poems uh, uh -huh. in various various online and, and offline places. She's becoming a science fiction poet. It appears. Very and she good. seems rather dismayed by this development. It's alarming. It is. It has, a, but it has a distinguished history. Craig Rain from the yeah. a postcard, uh, the Martian sends a postcard home. One of the most mm -hmm. noted poems of the '60s. Craig Rain's a Martian sends a postcard home. A great poem. Yeah. Yep, I remember it, and I'm linking to it. And that's about all I can think of. <laughs> it's 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 uh, <laughs> it's Craig and Beth. Chilling yeah. on Mars. Do you? you don't, got, I, they've got uh, who else is there? Uh, Zachary Lazar teaches there. Another fine. Oh, writer. I like yeah. him very much. Lazar. He um, really good, a, nice guy, we, good, good writer. We did a gig together once and thought he was uh, thought he was a lovely person. Yeah. Um. You, I mean, we're getting to the end of our hour, and we haven't talked about that thing. Um. And I feel I sense that you don't want to talk about it. Oh, about uh, the the fellow, the fellow, the the jumper, the non-jumper. <laughs> he, jump. he didn't jump. He just held up traffic at rush hour and and uh, on. Well, I, you tell me because you have a history with this gentleman. Yeah. Well, this the, 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 there was a there was a, a yet another blow up about Edward Champion, who I don't mind saying it out. Um, I should not have minded before. Uh, who I was friends with for a while, and then sort of uh, suddenly for reasons that still aren't clear to me. And, of course, the, it is more or less clear that there is no reason. Um, uh, sort of turned on me and began to denounce me and wrote a blog post about me being terrible. And now, did, um, he, did he start out when he started sort of blogging and uh, being a, a little bit of a presence? Was he, uh, I don't remember him being particularly out there. I mean, did something just like go wrong, or was he always a crank? His he was always a crank, but he seemed to be a benign crank when I met him. He he became a. Rian and I got to know him because he commented on our blog Ward Six. This would have been I don't know half a dozen years ago, or more. And um, uh, eventually, I got my publisher asked me to go do an interview with him on his uh, right. podcast, the Bat Segundo Show. Um. And then he it became he he offered to do me some favors that I did not want done, and that he persisted in offering, and then I allowed him to do them. And then later, this would become the 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 
mallet that he would swing at me saying, I did all this for you and what do I get? Nothing. But of course I, you know, I eventually, I did plenty for him. I read his novel. I gave him an editorial memo. I hooked him up with my literary agent, even though the novel was problematic at best. Smart, but crazy. And, uh, but he, then he started, I heard more and more people saying that what had happened to me, that he, that he had sort of turned on them and, uh, would show up at readings, never being physically violent, but being physically intimidating, uh, attacking people for their opinions. They would say something online, and then he would show up in person and confront them about it, uh, to the extent that men and women both, but mostly women, um, who he seemed to have particular enmity for, would be afraid of him. And then over the summer, I think, this thing... He wrote uh, a horrible thing about... uh, Yeah. Um... Yeah, and uh, just a really crazy uh, rant against Emily Gould, who I had not even heard of at the time. But um, anyway, sh- yeah, I'm not going to link to it. But th- there's there's an article I will link to called "Is This the Most Hated Man in Books?" Twitter versus Edward Champion. After the Gould thing, um, he said among other things that she was. Um, these are quotes entitled a dim bulb, a torrid hoyden hopped up on spite. And in the most quoted description from the essay, a minx whose head is so deeply deposited up her own slimy passage. It's often hard to see the sunshine and, uh, bold talk. Yeah. 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 Um, then he, he used a bunch of, um, so I was not weighing in on this on Twitter, though I was seeing a lot of this stuff drift by. But then my book editor um, confronted him about something else involving a Jeff Dyer review, I think, or something like that. And uh, and Jeff Dyer is a friend and and client of my book editor, Ethan's. And he immediately exploded calling, using sexist and homophobic language to denounce Ethan on Twitter. And then he went, uh, after this whole Emily Gould thing, he, he took a photo on from the Manhattan Bridge, uh, essentially threatening to jump off it. He said he was going to kill himself. And um, he eventually got a lot of sympathy from, from people who begged and him not to. Yeah, and ultimately encouragement. So then he laid low for a while and uh, said he was getting off the internet. And then he came back and got into and she's this other woman seemed to have a similar experience to me. Her name is um, and forgive me, it's an unfamiliar name to me, and I I don't know her work yet. Uh, Porchista Kakpor is her name, who's a fiction writer, a New York fiction writer, and who like me became friends with Ed and tried to help him out. And then apparently he said something nasty about another writer in the comments on her blog, and so she deleted it, and then she became his new object of derision. Um, and he began to threaten her, blackmail her, and att- attempted to blackmail her on Twitter. Um, and she has now filed a, cl- a harassment complaint with the police. But um, that resulted in another uh, you know, bunch of Twitter aggression against Ed. And I have to admit, I'm, and I am not ashamed of it, I, I openly participated in it this time because I just think this behavior is... There are lots of people with mental illness who do not spend their time terrorizing, Um, especially like a small community that is the literary community that kind of... Uh, Small community of delicate people. 
Yeah. Well, I wasn't going to say that, but I mean, people who... A delicate community of small people. Yeah, that's much better. Uh, um, Depend on each other for uh, respectful criticism, I think, you know, as as well as moral support. As the ship goes down. Uh, Oh, that again. Like the the camaraderie of the band. (laughs) So anyway... Um, he once again, uh, he's, and his tweet said, let's talk about how I went out of my way to give PK H Kapoor a reason to live. I busted my ass, blah, blah. Now she smears me with fabricated conjecture. And then she says, she's a venal solipsist who hopes to drown any surrounding party into her insipid drama. And then she sponges and sponges. He said the same thing about me. You're a sponger. She sponges and sponges and makes you think that you are the perpetrator. Fuck poor Chista Cockpoor. And then she says, if she does not apologize to me before 11 p.m., I will reveal the name of the man who photographed her. The choices is hers. And then, and then an hour later, five minutes. Who is the man who photographed her? In the nude, I'm not afraid, and I won't be intimidated. So apparently, someone took pictures of her, and I. What What would the be the as point happens. be of as re, of revealing this name is not is is not clear. Right. Uh, anyway, so um, yeah. she of course she was utterly appalled, and people came to her aid, and he deleted the tweets. I'm reading from screenshots, and then um, Twitter banned him. Yeah. After making these threats. And then he said, the publishing industry has done zero for me. Fuck you. Fuck all of you. And then he said on, basically said on Twitter, or on Facebook apparently, that he um, that he was essentially had nothing left to live for. And then if I had, if, and I was, you know, Reen and I were following this, shaking our heads. And, I, and if you had asked me two days ago to predict what Ed would spend his weekend doing, I I would say it would have been to pretend to be about to jump off the Manhattan Bridge, and that's exactly yeah. what happened. The, the the cops talked him down, and uh, he was at, but he was actually it, at the bridge and tied up traffic for half a day. Yeah, right. Yeah, and uh, and now he's in apparently in Bellevue. So, uh, but I just I just want I just want to say th- this is you know I I know a lot of troubled people. And some of them are greatly beloved to me, um, yeah. but he's the only one who behaves like this. Especially the 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 the, the implied sexual aggression in his criticism of female writers is utterly disgusting and appalling. And I don't. He was always, you know, it's part of his appeal was that he's invested and is uh you know is uh is crabby. Yeah, and the literary world can use people like that, but but uh, this has just got to be the end. And there's a whole there's a whole uh, meta story about how publishing is publish uh, publicists are afraid of him, so they they go ahead and keep sending their writers to him. They don't want to stop because they don't want to be the next person who becomes his enemy. And then they don't they're afraid to go to a literary reading in New York City because they because he might show up and denounce them or be aggressive with them. Um, so I'm hoping this is the beginning of the end. I don't know. I think it's there's it's rumored on Twitter that somebody is working on a um, working on a a reportage piece on the whole story. 
um, with a lot of backstory in it, which I hope I hope happens. So I don't know if you have any feelings about this, but I just feel I feel sad. I felt very sad yesterday. Um, you know, I I felt not guilty exactly. I don't feel I've contributed to this. And in, th- in fact, I did a lot. I tried to help him. You know, but on the yeah. last explosion, I actually wrote to him. I was going to ignore. He was denouncing me and Ethan on Twitter, and I quickly, you know, blocked everyone involved and um, was going to ignore everything. And then Rian encouraged me to write to him. And um, so, you know, he's obviously hurting. Why don't you say, ask him to get some help? So, you know, may he, he maybe he'll respect you enough to. So I wrote him a long email and I said, I'm unblocking you for 24 hours if you want to reply. But um, this is really disturbing to me. Uh, there's no reason for you to talk to Ethan that way uh, in public. And, you know, I I think you're hurting yourself and you're hurting what reputation you have left in publishing and he he forwarded my email to my publisher to my uh to my editor no Ethan's my editor to my uh, publicist and to Fiona the the publisher of Grey Wolf and she didn't know what the hell it was all about she'd never heard of this guy and he you know what he was doing he didn't realize that what he was doing was squandering his tiny bit of cred with these wonderful people and now they've blacklisted him forever. He basically tried to get them. He encouraged them to uh, drop me as a as an author mm-hmm. because uh, because of what I'd said to him, which really yeah. was just as you know they they were reading it clearly, which is me, a guy who should have been ignoring him, writing him, yeah. begging him to get help and to talk to somebody about what has been happening. Yeah. And uh, I so I feel I I don't you know I've I've tried to do some good here, but. Um, it's obvious that he's just over. He's it's just a crazy line. person. Yeah, ultimately. Johnny, from everything I all the information I have, it's just a crazy person who has picked this field, marina, and community to focus his crazy on. Yeah, it could have been the, the, his peers in society of creative anachronism, or um, his coworkers at a post office. Yeah. And aided and abetted by Facebook, Twitter, social media. Yeah. For a moment, I thought you said invented. He was invented by... He was invented by the Central Intelligence Agency. (laughs) (laughs) Who was it? Who was it that uh, um, Philip K. Dick wrote a series of letters to the CIA about? um, Oh, his his theory was that Stanislaw Lem... Uh, was, uh, no, a, was really? a committee of people uh, cons- was a conspiracy it was a Soviet conspiracy oh um, rather no than, rather than an individual where's I want to find these letters are they are they on the um... uh, I think I think there's a cache of them somewhere because he wrote he had a voluminous correspondence with the, the CIA about the CIA about okay, his here. ideas on yeah. the uh, there's a uh, on the on a website about Lem there's a I'll I'll link to this there's a um what was that famous Philip K Dick letter regarding Lem on September second nineteen seventy four Dick sent the following letter to the FBI keep, please keep in mind Mister Dick was most probably suffering from schizophrenia <laughs> uh, I am enclosing the letterhead of Professor Dark, Dark, Darko Suvin to go with the information enclosures which I have sent you previously et cetera et cetera et cetera that um. 
Oh, I can't even read this. It's completely crazy. It is a grim development for our field, and its hopes to find much of our criticism and academic theses and publications completely controlled by a faceless group in Krakow, Poland. What can be done, though, I don't know. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. <laughs> I'll uh, link to that. I, I, it is true that he is a crazy person, and I just, you know, his, you know, his his f- Facebook note. He said, "I'd like to thank Porochista Cockpoor and Dan Coys and Emily Gould for going well out of their way to ruin my life. The woman I loved has left me after nearly nine years, and between that and the relentless howls for my blood, I really have no reason to live anymore." And of course. There's, if he would think for one moment that maybe the literary world is not the ideal place for him to exert himself and that there are other things on earth for him to do, though God knows what. I don't know. It's the same, you know, it's the same. He's, he uses suicide threats to get, you know, to get people to, uh, to feel bad for him and, you know, and to see his accusers as aggressors. And then he yeah. goes back and does some more of the same stupid shit. Yeah. I think you you are such a good person, John. <laughs> oh, that, that when oh um, when someone is is behaving in a uh, you know a, a erratic way um, that has some darkness behind it um, and really nothing in it good, you try to you you you're, you're sort of person like my, my friend Catherine Menendez, other people who are who are so good and caring that it, it vexes you so much that somebody could be behaving strangely. Um, they're not, they're, 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 there's something, there's gotta be something behind it of, of quality. There's gotta be some hidden value in, 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 uh, you know, a, a drunk going off the rails or a crazy person having an episode. You know, you look for the look for what's good inside of it, and it's just not always there. It's not always there, John. Sometimes people are just shits. <laughs> They're just shits. Yeah. yeah. Well, thank you for saying that. Although it's not, it's not really a compliment. <laughs> it is a compliment. It's, well, because then, but it also is one of the things that might motivate you to write a four hundred page. Um, you know, uh, spend years of, of your life writing a study of, of you know, in, in fiction of of, uh, of difficult people who we might not see the value of. Like yeah, Albert well, you know, I actually, um, I actually, one of the reasons I abandoned that rock and roll novel I was writing uh, a couple years ago is that uh, the bass player, the bass player is Ed Champion. It's it, mm. he go he goes by the name Helping Hans. <laughs> That's what everybody calls him because he he he's he's incessantly doing favors for people that they don't want done for them, and then and then later getting mad at them for not appreciating enough. Um, but I didn't. I just felt uh, every time I got to the bits of the book that involved him, I just became depressed. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but maybe maybe I'll go back to it someday. We'll see. But yeah, some people are shits. I guess you're right. But look, this 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 is one of the um, this is one of one of your obsessions as a writer are people like this. Yeah. And in trying, I think because they're, because, because you're not a shit, you're, uh, you are maybe eternally confused or <laughs> and, and attracted to 
um, to to people who who are, are suffering like this, who who act like this, um, uh, because it's it's uh, uh, because it's it's different it's different from your own world and the people that you like that you surround yourself with. Yeah. Like a le- yeah. lepidopterist um, chasing after the, the most exquisite <laughs> butterfly because it is so unlike the, the uh, human experience as you understand it. Yeah. Yeah. Butterflies don't ask you to read their 500-page novel, though. Sometimes they do, though. <laughs> <laughs> well, more, more like a poem. You know, or, or a blurb. Yeah. But motherfucking butterflies always want a blurb. <laughs> oh no! Before we get on blurbs again, we should wrap this thing up. <laughs> uh, what are you having for uh, um, for meals? I tell you, around here, we've been we've been uh, as the weather's turned a little bit. We're thinking of soups. We're eating a lot of soups. Trying to make yeah. soups. You know what? Rian made a uh, Rian made a, a CSA. A bounty abatement soup for dinner uh-huh. yesterday, and I, I, you know, it was it was responsibility eating. I thought it was like, well, uh-huh. we got we got to eat this shit. But Rian made an amazing stew. It was so good. Yeah, uh, and she added some collards to it at the last minute, and then mm. and then immediately thought, oh shit, because she, um, you know, this experience like you get something just about perfect, and you're on a yeah. roll. You know, yeah, and you think you can do no wrong. Is I can do no wrong. I'm going to add this other thing, and it ruins it. So yeah. she threw in the collards and immediately regretted regretted it and thought this isn't going to work. But the collards made it. It was perfect. And so uh, we have a big vat of this stuff, and I'll probably eat it for a few days. You don't think you you have to? Uh, uh, I mean, collards needed 45 minutes or an hour or longer to to kind of break down. Yeah. You know, the worry would be that the cause wouldn't be done. I guess. No, they were they were done enough. Still a little yeah. bit of tooth in them. They, um, and yeah. uh, but uh, but they were they were tender and flavorful. And so, how about you guys? Uh, my birthday was Friday. Oh shit! I, I forgot. Oh, sorry. I was forty three. Who cares? <laughs> uh, and uh see this is I, one of the because I left Facebook um I don't know anybody's birthday. I'm yeah. going to your contact. This is what I've been manually adding birthdays to contacts. I know you don't want to talk about this, but it's important to me. Uh, so birthdays? Oh, I don't again, yeah. birthday. But I had to um it's uh, September what? September what? 26th. 26th. Thank you. That's it. 9 in the morning. Stormont Vale Hospital. I don't need that extra information. Come on. Is this not part of it? This, okay. <laughs> I don't know. These no, that's... Contact information. <laughs> Sometimes it gets specific. <laughs> uh, I wanted to... Sometimes we'll go out and have a real nice dinner, you know. Yeah. It'll blow up. I just wanted some soup and a carrot cake. So that's what I Yeah. Got. A nice carrot cake with that cream cheese, sour cream frosting. Oh, so good. Candy corn on top. <laughs> yeah. Perfect. And uh, uh, and some soup. Funny thing happened to the candy corn. So like after a yeah. day or so, being in the frosting, it started to it, it dissolved. Candy corn dissolved into little puddles of of autumnal color, which I, don't, I can't explain. I don't like that. 
Maybe that means you're old. Too old to have nice things. <laughs> you could have a puddle of a former nice thing. Yeah. Yeah, that's the title of my memoir. Puddle <laughs> of a former nice thing. Uh, well, happy birthday, Ed. Thank you, John. When's your birthday? You're a February baby? Nah, Are you a May. February baby? No. In May of 2015, I will be 45. Very good. May. 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 Very good. All right, let's wrap this thing. I got a recording session. All right. I'll talk to you soon, uh, buddy. Lunchbox out. Are you hungry for lunch? Well, then let's have lunch. Do you want some lunch? Well, then we'll give you some lunch. Do you have a hankering for lunch? Well, then come to lunch. Because it's time for lunch. Box with Ed and John. That's right. It's time for lunch.